history with absolutely no tasting notes. I'm Tim and I'm joined in the virtual pub by my drinking buddy, Ileri. What are you drinking and thinking about today? I am drinking a very large Bailey's Almond. Some would say excessive. I just say generous. Uh, I'm thinking about weddings. Oh, okay. All right. What's, is there any kind of connection between your drink and weddings? Um, it's pretty tenuous, but uh, I drink Baileys at Christmas time, which is a celebration. Right. And that's about it. Yeah. Weddings. Great. I fun. love it. That's, you know, that is as <laughs> close amazing. as we get to legitimate <laughs> tasting notes and occasions. Also, your one of your dogs is called Bailey. Do they react in any way to that drink? <laughs> um, I can't say Bailey's ever had a Bailey's. <laughs> Maybe we want to try it out one day. Just saying. If you want to come and clean up, sure. <laughs> I, think you'd, I think you'd look good with a little Bailey's moustache. Oh, you would. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am drinking. So, you know, it, it's wedding. I was like, mm, what have I got hanging around that's weddingy? And um, I came to the conclusion that I should probably finish off the bottle of wine that I opened two days ago, which is a, a Pinot Nero Rosa Frizzante. I don't think you can quite call it Frizzante anymore. It's more like a, whatever a fifth of uh, a fizzy wine is. But it's still tasty. This is the first time that I've trumped you with the drinks. Yeah, probably. In terms of it being legit, but I've got to say, it does still taste nice. It's just not the fizz it's supposed to be. It's a marriage that's gone off the boil. <laughs> oh god <laughs> this is definitely by far the best drink that i've had so far because one it's not a vodka and barocca and two it's not some awful prosecco that i made so this is true <laughs> all right shall we begin with some international facts about weddings wedding drinks yes. we should say yeah i was interested to do this research because I've only ever been to British weddings and they're always very boozy affairs. And I was just interested to know if it was the same in other countries and other cultures. Mm -hmm. Is it just an excuse to get shit faced? (laughs) (laughs) Are weddings globally just an excuse to get shit faced? Is that what you're asking? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, great. Just as long as I know what level we're pitching this at. Uh, so I'm going to show my workings. Um, yeah. In the Ukraine, the brides are to keep their feet firmly planted on the ground because it's a bit of a game uh, in a Ukrainian wedding, or a Russian wedding, I guess. Um, they risk having their shoes stolen if at any point their feet aren't planted on the ground. And once said shoe is stolen, guests will throw it around the room and drink vodka or wine from it. Okay, so this mm-hmm. a it sounds like a fetishist's dream. dream sounds pretty gross. 
do you do they actually pour it into the shoe or do they like just stick a tumbler in it and then they can drink from that um, I don't know but I I'm guessing they pour it in the shoe why not <laughs> <laughs> so um if you were at this wedding and you were the bride what would be your tactic to keep to keep um, in your shoe I'd wear peep toes because you can't pour shit in there. <laughs> just wear leaky shoes. Yeah. Okay. It would just be a waste of good vodka pouring a glass into that. That's some really good lateral thinking. I would not have come up with that one. Okay, that's good. Another fact, please. Another fact. Uh, we're going to Mexico. Okay. Um, so some Mexican weddings involve a. I'm going to try and say this word. Calajunadia. I, I mean, I can see the word written right. down, and I'm going to say that's about 40% of the way there. Calajunadia. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> said word <laughs> is, um, it means walking serenade. Although I typed it into Google Translate to try and get some pronunciation, and that yeah. translated as alley, so I'm dubious. Anyway, walk-in serenade slash alley. Um, so during the pre-wedding festivity, the couple walk alongside a donkey, carrying bottles of wine or champagne, just to make sure there's plenty of drink. I don't oh. know why they need a donkey involved, but why not? I mean, I feel like I've been at occasions that have ended up in an alley with a donkey. But these were not weddings. I was going to say, was it just a Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. Now, I mean, we're, we're going to get on to talk about your wedding in a bit. Yes. Uh, you were like, oh, I don't know why they've got a donkey. I mean, you had llamas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Llamas are fun. I'm not saying donkeys aren't fun, but... Yeah, I guess you so. you consider loading them up with, like, side saddles of drinks, though? Are you not allowed? I I asked so many questions of those llama people, and they were like, no, next. <laughs> no. <laughs> they probably no, they won't wear waistcoats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think side saddles of wine might have been interesting. Yeah, a little like but llama panini. At that point in your wedding, though, you were going for um, Jaeger bombs. I'm not sure a llama has the grace to carry off carrying a tray of Jaeger bombs on, across no, a field. <laughs> Though I do have a really good professional photo of myself knocking back a Jaeger bomb and a llama kind of giving me a bit of side eye. It's great. It really was giving you some side eye. <laughs> you were friends <laughs> by the end of it, but at the beginning, there was yeah. like, they weren't sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, next fact, please. Next fact. Um, so there's a popular drink in Dutch tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's Tears of the Bride or Bruidstranen, originally called uh, for gold leaf to be mixed into the liquid to mimic bride's tears. Um, but I'm guessing at some point they worked out that tears aren't made of gold. So they've skipped <laughs> that and they've started steeping fruit and spice into a wine and milk mixture for 24 hours. And that's now the tears of the bride. I'm hoping that they're happy tears. I think it's a bit dark. Yeah, I was going to ask this. Like, in what context are these tears flowing? 
know it's a bit. No, I mean gold, golden tears. It sounds pretty, but it doesn't necessarily mean happy, does it? Yeah, well, I feel like gold tears are better than milky tears. <laughs> milky tears is just gross. <laughs> milky tears is gross. Yeah. Conjunctivitis of the flesh. <laughs> I watched um I watched a video on YouTube the other day I can't really remember why I think it's just a bit of someone had gotten a bottle of like these one of these gold flecked drinks you know like gold schlag or something yeah. and they they um managed to extract the gold from it to see how much mm -hmm. gold was really in it so lots of processes involving you know hydrochloric and nitric acid which i believe is called royal water because it can dissolve gold and like nothing else can anyway did all this business and then uh <laughs> got it into a little nugget and weighed it at the end and it was something like 8p about, <laughs> about eight pence worth of gold and he probably spent about 200 quid on chemicals just oh my god with like 8p of gold so um I don't know. I always remember in that. university, we used to drink Goldschlager and mm -hmm. I remember my housemates telling me, oh yeah, you get pissed so much quicker because the gold leaf like causes tiny little cuts in your throat and then alcohol can get into your bloodstream quicker. And I yeah. still feel like that's bullshit. I remember that myth as well. You know, I, it crossed my mind to look up whether any aspect of that was true for this conversation. But mm. I was so sure that it wasn't that I didn't. It's just not true, is it? <laughs> yeah. Like, surely they'd have to give some kind of health warning on the bottle. Yeah. Like... No food standards agency is going to allow <laughs> you to swallow things that shred your throat. <laughs> Unless it's like Tesco cornflakes, isn't it? I mean, it didn't stop me knocking them back at uni. No, quite <laughs> so. Um, have you got another fact? I have one more fact right. uh, in Germany. So night before the wedding, it is tradition in Germany for groomsmen to abduct the bride-to-be, take her to a local bar, and then the groom will be at said bar, has to find the bride that's been kidnapped, uh, buy the group a round of drinks, uh, and that's that. Like, he's got to like win her back. <laughs> now, I think it's all in the way you do this, you perform this. I quite like the idea. I mean, I think if you look at it as, you know, oh, she's a possession, obviously that's not quite so cool. But yeah. kind of like the mixing of friends element that this has, because I think sometimes with... Um, you know, Hendies have to be women and stag dudes have to be men. It's just getting, I think everyone's a bit over that. So I kind of like the idea yeah. that you can mix it up in that scenario. That's exactly what I wanted to do at my wedding was just to have everyone, because I know a lot, some people who are like still super traditional will have the groom go and have a meal with his family and the bride have a meal with her family and this, that, the other. And the bride and groom can't stay in the same room or see each other. And no, I didn't have any of that. I think I don't know what time we were up until, but we were up until the early hours having a good few drinks with friends. I think it was about four AM, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe you were the last one standing. You were my brother. Ah, yes, now. <laughs> <laughs> the night before your wedding, I and your brother were the last one standing. I was much earlier to bed the other night. So on the wedding I was then done. But yeah, um the night before I was up. The the kidnapping thing. I think if I think if we were to have that tradition first to give it a go, I would fully go for it. Like I would I would sneak up on you, um, hood Back over, the head. over the head, in a van, drive for several hours. 
<laughs> like I'd be water torture. I go the full <laughs> experience. I'd be occasionally I just <laughs> throw like a, a glass of um non-fizzy frizzante wine in your face and call you a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? You up for that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm done. All right, next wedding, noted. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Chris know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Before we so before we talk any more about your wedding, and uh, you must be coming up to an anniversary soon. Um, yes. I thought I'd talk it's... a bit about I bring it closer, bring it back into home. Um, about the word bridal actually has its roots in bride ale from the old English, mm. and. Um, so I, I've read I've read a few different stories about this. I needed to get to the truth of it, um, <laughs> which is that the bride ale referred specifically to the ale that was brewed for for the wedding. They called it the bride's ale. This is partly true. So mm-hmm. it is very likely that people would have uh, brewed their own ale for weddings, and because you know they were so expensive there's also a tradition that they would have brewed enough to then sell um at their wedding so you could make money for your wedding by selling the ale that you've brewed genius which i think is quite clever and also not a million miles away from what you did because i had a lot of ale and threw some voluntary um coins into the into the basket yeah which i think is a smash did not not make my own I think I've learned to not make the cost of your wedding back from that. No, <laughs> no, but I mean, I didn't make my own booze either because God, no. that would have been awful. Could you imagine if I'd have charged people for that prosecco image? Yeah, based on the experience <laughs> we've made so far, I would not have paid for that. <laughs> Instead, we had some delicious. I had a lot of um, buddy back from Y Valley. Do you want to say that again? No, nope. <laughs> I don't. You heard me. It was a Y Valley Welsh beer. It's delicious. <laughs> Um, anyway bridal so it's true that it does refer to the ale but it also refers to the occasion so Mm -hmm. you know like if you were going to go for tea it's it's the time and it's the occasion of drinking tea as well as the drink what's the tea yeah what's the tea um so (laughs) an ale was like a festival as well Mm -hmm. right up until the elizabethan times you could be like i'm going to an ale and it would be like a party where ale was at and you would drink and celebrate Mm. so a bride's ale is actually just a wedding really it's the party of the wedding as well as Mm -hmm. the ale that would have been made at the bride's wedding Mm -hmm. and i kind of found this out because so the, the the myth that it just refers to the ale came from a 19th century priest uh, Church of England priest who who was writing about it and kind of said, "Oh, that's what it is," and everyone just believed him. But you can find mm-hmm. references like I found um, references to Queen Elizabeth going to Kenilworth Castle and she was entertained with a with a bride's ale. So they had like the local people come and have their wedding festivities, and she joined in. And there are references to how they're normally really riotous, but they just started to calm down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really interesting and. Um, I found this, this beautiful thing from, um, <laughs> Hale Zoen in the West Midlands from 1572, mm-hmm. which are guidelines on how much you're allowed to drink at a bride's ale. So I'm going oh, to put God. on my, my old birth accent uh, from the West Midlands. 
Okay, hit me. A pain is made that no person or persona <laughs> that shall brew any wedding ale to sell shall not brew above 12 strike of malt. Now, 12 strike of malt is 576 pints. So you're allowed 576 pints of strong ale at a wedding. Okay. At that the most... And that, what? That sounds acceptable. It does sound acceptable. And, and let me explain why as well. So 576 pints... Um, at the most, and that the said person's sole marriage shall not keep or have above eight mess of persons at his dinner within the borough. Now, a mess is four people. So four times eight means you can have 32 diners, which means mm -hmm. you have 18 pints ahead of strong ale. Shit. Yeah. Yep, I'm in. It's good. I think that's a good, goodly amount. <laughs> and before his bridal day, he shall keep no unlawful games in his house, nor out of his house on pain of 20 shillings. So there you go. Wow. What a time to be alive. I know. I really approve of all of the, the bride ale stuff. So that continues. Um, the word ale as a festival starts to fall out of favour after the Elizabethan age, but obviously people are still drinking ale. And it's not really until you get to the 18th century mm -hmm. that uh, people start considering champagne as more of a wedding drink. And it's really just, uh, unfortunately, you find this a lot around wedding things. They become popular sheerly because they're expensive. So mm -hmm. the, the aristocracy you know, around Europe were just drinking so much champagne. It was the thing to aspire to. And so people started drinking champagne at weddings because it's what the rich folk did. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, you know, it's kind of a kind of a shame of a shift, but, but there you go. Nevertheless, the word bridal persists. Um, they dropped the ale meaning of it or festival or drink to be A-L, which was a, a common suffix for other things meaning of. Um, but mm -hmm. interesting other facts about bridal. So bride, comes from in pre-old English if we go to like Jutland to the old Norse 3,000 years <laughs> or so ago bride means to brew oh, yeah real. although it doesn't mean necessarily mean alcoholic brewing it could be like to cook or to stew but still yeah. I think that's pretty cool yeah I like that. <laughs> top, top facts Tim love it yeah do you want to know a bit about wedding cake while we're at it Yes, tell me more about cake. All right, it's not a drinks thing, but I think it just goes so well hand in hand. So the first examples I can find of, of anything like a wedding cake are ancient Greece, uh, probably, and Rome, certainly, where they would um, break uh, bread above the bride's head, sort of as a sign of, you know, prosperity and good luck. That, in mm -hmm. some circles, is said to have turned into people throwing bread at the bride. <laughs> um, <laughs> like a duck. Like exactly like a duck, and she she waddles around trying to neck it. Um, <laughs> no, but it's kind of like you don't see it so much anymore. But definitely, I remember it in my lifetime where cake is put, pushed into the bride's face. Yeah, you, I see. You know, you've been framed a lot in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, um, man, I would have kicked off. <laughs> yeah, right. No one wants that today, but people used to like that. So it's that kind of thing. So um, people started bringing their own breads <laughs> to the wedding. And the thing is, <laughs> to, to do this, um, it's kind of like bringing confetti or rice, right? In that way. Yeah. But the thing is, Rome, ancient Rome had really good bakers. 
<laughs> and so people were like, I'd rather eat this than throw it. Yeah. <laughs> got used to kind of snacking on tasty breads and, you know, wanted things to drink it with. Cut to medieval Europe. Um, and it's become a tradition to like bring a, a, a wheat cake or bread or something um, to give to the couple that are getting married. And they stack it up. And the idea is that you, the more people you invite, you know, the more well-wishes you have, the higher this stack of like pyramid of bread becomes. And you as the marrying couple have to kiss over the top of it. So the more well-wishes you had, the more of a challenge it was to, you know, kiss over the top of it and you were supposed to try and not knock it down. There's a rumour, I don't know how true this is, but I think it's interesting or possibly true, that a French chef came over to the court of Charles II in England, saw this tradition and was kind of disgusted by it because you know he's French and um, decided that he was going to take the tradition back to France but in a much more respectable way and that's how he created croque-en-bouche and croque-en-bouche is like that pyramid of profiteroles all stick together and that's what they have for their wedding cakes um, yeah so that was created you know out of, um, out of medieval France based on that tradition so they have the croque-en-bouche next for Britain you get to Elizabethan time, 16th century. There's no cake. You have pie, bridal pie. That's a bit of me. Great big savoury pie, which I'm totally down for, except obviously in those days, it was all like testicles and oysters and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I did find a reference in a, in a cookbook that says, if you, if you want to um, entertain your guests, why not fill it with live birds or a snake? What? Yes. So I'm not saying you messed up your wedding completely, but there was an idea. Damn. I could have put a llama in a pie and it could have just burst out. Burst out of a pie, exactly. <laughs> um, so the bridal pies persist until, I think, about 17th century. And then you get your first example of a wedding cake, more or less as we would know it, which was created by an apprentice baker in Ludgate Circus, which is kind of just over the river from me in London. And... Um, <laughs> He wanted to create an engagement cake. So he wanted to get married. So he created an engagement cake for his bride-to-be. Put a ring in it. Uh, if you like it, then you should have put a ring in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he took his inspiration for the construction from the, uh, the Church of St. Brides, which you can still see standing. When I to walk friends along the South Bank, I often point it out and I say, oh, that was the inspiration for wedding cakes because it so clearly looks like a wedding cake. I did not so, know that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That that tiered structure, that's where it comes from. Of course. And um that becomes popular. People start you know, start to have cakes more, fruit cakes, because they don't really have sugar in those days. Yeah. So fruit cakes, plum cakes. Um there's a a bride and a groom cake. So the groom cake is a bit smaller than the bride cake, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> the groom cake is, you know, heavier on fruit and darker. The bridal cake is a bit lighter. It's a pancake and then covered in icing. The idea is that it would be pale icing like almond or whatever so that it symbolizes virginity. That goes all the way when Victoria gets married. So up to the Victorian age, 19th century, she's like, I want everything white. I want everyone to know I'm a virgin. Yeah, right, love. You know, she has, <laughs> she has the classic white lace dress and popularizes that. She has the whitest white icing made out of expensive sugar, as it was then, to show off how wealthy they are. And that's why we call it royal icing. So that very white tiered cake, as we would sort of classically know it now, that's where it all comes from. Well, well. There you go. Histories. Now I want some cake. 
<laughs> kind of want some cake as well now. <sighs> but let's so let's talk about that brings us almost up to the modern age. But the real modern age was what happened at your wedding. Tell us about your approach to drinks there. Oh God. Well, we had to meet with um, our kind of wedding coordinator. We didn't really have a planner. So we had a bit of a DIY wedding, but the venue we booked was like a big stately home, which was owned by a father-daughter group who were amazing and lovely. And they just basically used to meet us every couple of months and listen to my ridiculous ideas and smiles, regretted teeth and go, yeah, we can try and make that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, essentially we just said our whole day slash weekend, it was a Friday to Monday affair, we just wanted it to run like a festival and we although we were getting married we didn't want it to feel like it was all just one day we wanted to have drinks on the friday and a barbecue and wedding on the saturday and then on the sunday we had music and another barbecue and drinks flowing the whole time um but that was the hardest thing was working out drinks like you were saying earlier about how many drinks per head and this that and the other and it was almost impossible to work out because you had so many people at the venue for three nights. How much booze do you get? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what Martha Stewart's advice was on that, by the way, before you continue? No. She said you should allow for one drink per hour per guest. We did not. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had, um, we had some great conversations with, about, with them about it because we were saying, you know, our friends like a drink. Um, so we were trying to explain to them that we needed probably more booze than average, but at the same time, not worry them about having a team of 200 absolutely wasted people in their beautiful home. Uh, and they told us some really fun <laughs> stories about weddings they'd had there before, where there was um, a Russian bride and a Welsh groom. And she said, you know, those two cultures are almost proud of how much they drink mm. and it almost became a competition. And as per some Russian traditions, they had bottles of vodka on the table and the Welsh boys were trying to match the Russian boys with just drinking neat vodka and she said it just got way out of hand. So they were quite dubious about our requests for example, Jager bombs on the lawn with llamas and pretty much drinks from the moment people arrived until well, there was no curfew. That was the funny thing. Um, <laughs> so on our wedding day, it was a licensed bar. By law, they had to be a licensed venue. So that finished at 1am. That's when their license finished. But then as soon as the licensed bar closed, it turned back into essentially what was our Airbnb. <laughs> and so we opened our own bar <laughs> where people <laughs> could just go and enjoy drinks. And then if they wanted to donate some money towards... We had a few charities and stuff we were donating to. And that was that. So yeah, lots of lots of booze. <laughs> but the the drinks at your wedding didn't just end with the drinks we could drink. Like when we went into yeah. well, when I arrived and you were setting up the marquee where we, you know, sat and had dinner. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So as I said, it was a very DIY affair. Um and I didn't want to needlessly spend loads of money on decorations and florists and this that and the other so I just did it all myself um and my husband and I like a gin or two 
so we just started saving on our gin bottles and they became essentially the biggest part of our decor um so all along the ceiling of the marquee we had different colored gin bottles filled with fairy lights as well as loads of wildflowers and then on the tables we had gin bottles as vases the favors were mini gin bottles there was yeah a lot of gin involved in our wedding and I it think it worked. Oh, so well. It looks really beautiful. We had light shining through the bottles and flowers coming out of it and tying mm -hmm. in with the flavours, which was very, yeah. very uh, well-rounded. And coffee cups, not forgetting the coffee cups. Yes, that caused mass confusion, but also lots of laughter. I kind of <laughs> wish, I wish I'd seen it more because I, I think it was while the photographers were faffing about having our photos taken on the lawn that was when you guys were kind of ushered into the marquee and you had to find your seats so i didn't get to see the reaction well, I but, saw uh, that. do you want me to describe that <laughs> yeah i'd like to actually because i wasn't there so, uh so when you're about to enter you know for, for a formal dinner and you get i mean what are they called place settings a, a sort of menu of where what tables people are at was a table plan that's what i was thinking about thank you yeah. yeah so you go for the table plan you're supposed to look for your name when you go oh that's where i'm sitting now most people want that to be a painless experience you know <laughs> you, you can spot your name quickly you go sit down you get on with things not this girl so um <laughs> there, was, there was a beautiful display of you know flowers and bottles and stuff as well as, as you were going in there but with several Starbucks cups placed uh, strategically around with clearly the table tables written on them. And we were thinking, well, what is this about? Why is, has she run out of cardboard? And um, we were scanning down and people were desperately trying to find their names and failing. And there was this real sort of bunch at the entrance to the, to the marquee at first of people going, I don't understand what this is about. And then all of a sudden it clicked that you'd misspelled everyone's name on purpose a la when you go to Starbucks <laughs> and they miss it. Um, and you can tell why, uh, I suppose, that part of it, but it was so funny. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think I can count on one hand the number of times that I've had a Starbucks cup with my name spelled correctly on it, even in Wales. I order a coffee, <laughs> they ask for my name and I say, Aleri, and they, you could just see panic. They glaze over and they go, is that A-L? I just smile and nod. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Spell, spell it how you want. <laughs> I've I've had Hillary, Allery, Celery. Celery was my favourite. I remember that one. <laughs> I've had so many variations uh, and I always post them on Facebook and people love it. So um, I thought it would be pretty apt because most people would know why I did that. It was. It was so good. Um... <laughs> All right, I have one more fact to round things off. Hit me. Is it a good one? Is it a nice one? Is it ending on a nice note? I mean, I think so. You, I mean, it's coffee coffee and wedding related. Perfect. Cool. Yeah, I, I thought this would be a great transition. So, coffee and weddings. In 15th century Turkey, not mm -hmm. providing your wife with enough coffee was grounds for divorce. Couldn't agree more. I mean, what I love about that is not only did I get grounds in as a pun, um, but <laughs> I totally agree with it. <laughs> I do. Right? Absolutely. What, what drinks issues would drive you to divorce? Um, I mean, nothing serious, obviously. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what this is about. Unnecessarily weak tea. I can't deal. Yeah. When they like dip the tea bag in, that's grounds to divorce, I think. 
Mine, I think, would be um, leftovers. People who don't finish their drinks drives me insane. Oh my God, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I would divorce you in a heartbeat. <laughs> Oh my god, you're gonna give me a complex now. Every time I come to yours, I'm gonna just neck everything. Yeah. <laughs> this whole podcast series is just my way of telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Well, on that note, we should wrap up. So uh, our glasses have run dry. Mine is. <laughs> which uh, which means it's time to file for divorce. I think. Um, cheers, cheers, everybody. Or land or sea or fall You can always hear me sing in this song Show me the way to go home <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyed myself.